It's episode four of Hit Bull Win Podcast. I'm Matt Suter, along with AGM, comma, comma. Operation Scott Strickland. Hit Bull Win Podcast is the official podcast of the Durham Bulls and a production of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. And Scotty, we got microphones. We are rolling deep here in new equipment. This is, this is quite the difference. We each have our own microphone compared to one recording device that was placed in between us for our first three episodes. Talent is getting new stuff to play with. You that's, got, a, that's us. You got to respect the talent. Yes. <laughs> you got to respect the talent. It's year one. We get whatever we want, right? Exactly. That's the way that works. Right? Exactly. So what's on the schedule today? It's ACC Championship Week, and, and AGM, comma, Operation Scott Strickland is, is looking rough. neck deep in, in, in ACC stuff. Uh, we have our staff meal argument of the week. We interview Nate Lowe, the 2018 Tampa Bay Rays Minor League Player of the Year. We talk about Rocco Baldelli. Where is he now? And in baseball talk, shocking, the Durham Bulls are good again <laughs> every year. And so, again, as we mentioned, we have microphones, so hopefully this sounds way better uh, than our previous three episodes, because if not, well, we wasted a little bit of money. We listened to our listeners, listened to our listeners, and improved our sound quality. This is, this is what the people want. Yep, give them what they want. But so, as of this recording, it is May 23rd, 8.37 a.m. We were supposed to interview, or excuse me, we were supposed to record this week's episode yesterday, but that got sidelined uh, in part because Scott was sleeping. I, I was taking a nap. And now, I don't mean this, I'm not saying that in an antagonizing way, <laughs> but that's ACC week. So, the very first game on Tuesday... There's three games every day, Monday, or excuse me, Tuesday through Friday for the ACC Baseball Championship. Twelve teams, six-day tournament, and the first four days, three games a day. 11 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's the schedule. And so the very first game of the tournament, as you can imagine, 12 innings. So that pushed everything back. So Tuesday night... The third game didn't end until just shy of 1 a.m. 12.59, I believe. So Scott, a lot of his crew, a lot of the grounds team, they didn't get out of here. If, if they left at all, they didn't get out of here until about 3 in the morning. Just to come back and do three more games on Wednesday, three more games Thursday, three more games Friday, two Saturday, one Sunday. And that's assuming the weather cooperates and everything runs the way it's supposed to. So, so Scott, how was that nap? I bet, I bet you were passed out. So, uh, yes, all the grounds crew has arrow beds here at the ballpark, um, which I know this probably sounds absolutely crazy to a lot of people. But, uh, but, yeah, if you live in Raleigh or Chapel Hill and you're 20, 25 minutes away and you get done at 3 a.m. and you need to be back at work at 6.30, we got a math problem here in terms of the sleep cycle. Uh, and as we know, with the Rays and their sleep studies, sleep is very important. Um, so everyone sleeps here at the ballpark. Um, but yeah, they got done Tuesday night, a.k.a. Wednesday morning, getting closer to the weekend, um, at 3 a.m., back up at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, and that's day one. If that happens on you know Friday, eh, you're feeling okay. But on day one, that's rough. Um, so yeah, yesterday... Game two started, the arrow beds laying in my office, 
Uh, I laid down just for a few minutes. Earpiece with our radio still in my ear. Uh, phone in my hand. That was at about 3.45. Next thing I knew, it was 5 o'clock. It happens. And just to be clear, you are not the only person that has to sleep during this tournament. I mean, this is, to give you an idea of what the Bulls go through during this week. So the ACC comes in, and this is the ACC's show. They are basically in charge of everything. But with one of Scott's responsibilities as AGM, operations, he's basically the Bulls liaison to the ACC. So there's a championship director on the ACC side. But then Scott is more or less the championship director on the bull side, and those two work very closely together. But then, as we mentioned, our grounds crew, obviously, three games a day, 15 and six days, not to mention they used to have bulls homestands on either side of this tournament. That's They take the brunt of it. It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. But we have our box office that's open all day, every day. We have our game operations team, our promotions team, our operations staff, uh, ticket takers, ticket sellers, everything we do for a bulls game we do for one ACC game, let alone all three each day. And again, then on the back side of it, we have a 10-game, nine-day Bulls homestand. So it, while we're making sure that the ACC tournament is running as smoothly as possible with our partners from the ACC, we still can't forget about that 10-game, nine-day homestand that starts two days after the ACC sh uh, closes shop. Ashley Crabtree, shout out, sends an email last night about getting your notes in for next homestand. I, I, I didn't even know how to react when I received that email. I, I, I almost threw my phone. But it's, it's tough because <laughs> you know, business still goes on. On Tuesday, yeah. uh, next Tuesday when the Bulls are back, we open gates and we can't miss a beat. Can't. So this is always an interesting time for our front office because again, you have two priorities and each is priority number one. And so, okay, how are we going to do this? Hence why we're doing a podcast at 8.30 in the morning <laughs> on day three of six of the ACC Baseball Championship. So uh, we're also pleasant to deal with right now as well. But you know what? It's fun. I think that's one of the things that's interesting about the ACC Baseball Championship is that from a Bulls perspective, it is a grind. And, and from the ACC's perspective too, don't get me wrong, it's a grind. It's a grind for everybody. But it's, there's a camaraderie that's Absolutely. part of it. And, and as the Bulls staff, you all sort of get around it together like, here we go again. Let's, let's do it. Let's get through it. Uh, and one of my favorite memories from the ACC Baseball Championship is in 2016, uh, I asked Scott Strickland in the middle of that tournament, what's one of the best things about this tournament, you know, from, from your standpoint, the ground standpoint, the operations? And he goes, really, it's the camaraderie that that crew gets because from yeah. from a grounds crew perspective especially you got a lot of game day employees so they bounce around they might not always work together over the course of the acc tournament they're all going to work together at some point they, they live together and, <laughs> and so just as scott and i are having this conversation a couple of years ago the grounds crew staff walks through and there was a guy that i had seen i didn't know his name i'd always seen him didn't know his name and i say scott uh what's that guy's name because i genuinely wanted to know and Scott, after talking about <laughs> the camaraderie, just goes, I don't know. <laughs> the, the guy had red hair, so he's like, we call him Red. But Scott, after giving this great chat about camaraderie, just had no idea what this guy's name was. And it was just, it, it was, it was just too perfect to, to, be, to be fake. But, but that's one of the fun things about this week. Again, we get to work with our partners from the ACC pretty closely, so someone you might never have met before the week started, all yeah. of a sudden you're spending eight hours a day with 
every day for for a week. Yeah. So it's always fun to to get to know new people, get to know people people who you've already met a little bit better. And and you know if you're going to work a college baseball tournament, the ACC is about as good as it's going to get. Yeah, the the people that surround this event are, are just phenomenal, and and it's neat. We, you've got so many people that are that are in the grind with you, right? Uh, and everyone respects that and, and wants to help you out. Our our sponsorship office yesterday uh, they bought lunch, uh, Chick Fil A, of course. Um, for the ground staff um, on Tuesday night, Boston College uh, bought smoothies for the entire grounds crew. Um, things like that go a long way. We've got a UVA uh, booster that comes in with an RV. Uh, he grilled uh, burgers and hot dogs last night over the parking lot for the grounds crew. That was their dinner. Um, a lot of things like that. It just, they go a long way, and it's, it makes a long week uh, a little bit shorter. So that's ACC tournament. Again, the tournament runs through Sunday. Championship is slated for noon on Sunday here at the DBAP. Semifinals, two of them on Saturday. And again, three games uh, today, Thursday, and tomorrow, Friday. So we'll pivot now to uh, a very popular segment after we debuted it, the Staff Meal Argument of the Week. So last episode, we chatted about when does the weekend begin and end. Mm. This week is the DBAP in downtown Durham. That's a hard no. A hard no from Scott Strickland. That no, end of conversation in his mind. So for those of you who have been to the ballpark or are familiar with Durham, there is, it's not a set of train tracks, it's just train tracks. Right. It's just a it's just Even train there tracks. are two. There, so then it is a, it's a pair of train it's tracks. It's a pair. <laughs> a pair of train tracks. And in your mind, you have to be north of the train tracks to be downtown, or what is your definition of downtown Durham? There's two ways you could look at it. Uh, there's always, it, it's interesting too, how the, the railroad tracks have always been, a, that, that comes up actually in local politics about uh, that connecting uh, downtown, which a lot of people think is north of the railroad tracks, to the American Tobacco Campus where the DBAP sets or sits, uh, which is south of the, of the tracks. I actually, um, I actually go with the downtown loop, um, which is a popular, uh, debate topic uh, about whether that should be one-way or two-way um, uh, street for traffic. But that loop is called the downtown loop, and it goes around the perimeter of downtown. So if you're not inside that loop, you ain't downtown. So We're only outside of the loop, so therefore, we are not downtown. So downtown Durham is very small for you. Yes. It's really just a couple of blocks. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, so very all, intimate. So... Again, for those that might not know the downtown loop specifically, but maybe know Durham, the DAP, the old ballpark, not downtown. Not downtown. It's on the other side of downtown. Uh, full Steam Brewery. Not downtown. Not downtown. The Rick House event space. Not downtown. Not downtown. And Durham Bulls Athletic Park. Not downtown. Not downtown. So really, yeah. again, you're talking about just a, a couple of blocks that are downtown. Mm -hmm. I disagree. <laughs> I, think, I think downtown is more than just geographical. So I think that it's, it's a, a state of mind is really stupid. Oh, we'll that's not the deep. way to put it. Yeah, okay. That's not the way to put it. But it's, you look at the makeup of a city and what's important in that city. The landmark's important in that city. And some of the things I just mentioned, Durham Bulls Athletic Park, Durham Athletic Park, American Tobacco Campus. These are things people think about when they come to Durham, when they visit Durham. Is Duke Chapel downtown, Matt? No, that's, no, because that's too far. <laughs> that's too far away. <laughs> I think if, again, American Tobacco Campus, the DBAP, it's a three-minute walk south of the train tracks. It's a five-minute walk 
or so it's a four minute walk from the downtown loop so at you, max if you're walking slowly. So I think that it's more of a state of mind that look, you just think of, of what the city is, what the city would be like if some of these things weren't necessarily part of Durham. I mean, if you, if you only classify downtown Durham as inside the downtown loop, it's a very, very tiny town. It's not even a city. It's just a, a small little town. Well, so, so is, so is the DBAP the suburbs? We're in the burbs. That's, we are totally. That's, that's in, we are totally in the burbs. That's absurd to me. Con- connecting our previous segment to this, so ACC tournaments going on um, down the third base line. All the radio networks are set up in one location, and Tuesday night I sat in between two setups and had a third one to the right um, at the beginning of a game, and every radio announcer welcomed their listeners to downtown Durham when they started their announcement, and I, I almost had to leave. I almost had to leave. Turn down their mics for them and correct them? Correct. Hey, you might not know me, but I'm AGM, comma, Operation Scott Strickland. Do you think we're in the main business section of the city? The CBD, Central Business District. Uh, no. Okay. I do not. Um, I'm looking at dictionary.com right oh, now. Oh, jeez. Therefore, that would support uh, the non-downtown camp. If you haven't picked up, folks, Scott Strickland is maybe the most literal person <laughs> On the planet. Dictionary.com is what he's looking at right now yeah. to find downtown. I mean, it's on the internet, therefore it's got to be accurate. So you can see Scott and I, uh, different sides of the, of the tracks on this one. Nailed it. <laughs> of the pair of tracks. Nailed it. <laughs> the, the pair of tracks. Uh, but let us know what you think. Email social media at durhambulls.com with your answer. Is the DBAP in downtown Durham? If you're not familiar with the area, look at a map and tell us. But email us, again, social media at durhambulls.com, and we'll pick one person who emails us their answer. Pick one at random. Give them four free tickets. Very cool. Or a Bulls hat. So, again, if you're not local, you get your choice. Four tickets to a Bulls game, and they're good seats, too. Section 201. Great or, view of downtown. Or, <laughs> or a free Bulls hat, your choice. So, again, social media at durhambulls.com. Let us know. Is that our first swag giveaway? First swag giveaway or ticket giveaway. Yeah. Cool. I, see, I think swag is gear. Gear. But that's, that could be the next staff argument <laughs> of the week. What's the definition of swag? <laughs> of swag. But so there you go. Get a chance to win four free tickets or a Bulls hat. You choose between one of them. Uh, email social media at DurhamBulls.com. So now we turn to our interview, Nate Lowe or Nathaniel Lowe. We'll get to that in, early on in the interview. Uh, 2018 Rays Minor League Player of the Year. He made his Major League debut uh, earlier this month. So here it is, Nate Lowe. All right, we're here with Nate Lowe. Nate or Nathaniel? Uh, Nathaniel, but Nate, everybody calls me Nate. My mom calls me Nathaniel, though. So how did Nate start? Did people just call you Nate, or did you uh, actually ask them to? I got to college and started introducing myself as Nathaniel. And then people are like, all right, Daniel, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> Like, ah, that's not going to work. And so a couple of coaches, like, going through it definitely called me Nate already. And it just never stuck. But then in college, I was like, yeah, you know what? Just call me Nate. Anyone call you Dan? No, I never got that one. Uh, Daniel Daniel was pretty popular. Um, <laughs> but it's not my first name. My first name is David. But my dad's name is David. And I'm not a David Jr., so I can't go by David. So, yeah, Nathaniel, Nathaniel has been it for... As long as I've been alive from all my family members, and if any of them said Nate, I don't respond. But 
for the general everybody, like Nate's just fine. So the man with three first names. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm Matt, but my family calls me Matthew. Of course. But nobody else has ever called me Matthew. Huh. Why? Sometimes it just takes a resurgence, you know? You change your name, people start calling you a different name, you never know what can happen. It's fun. It's kind of weird, but it works. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so talking about your family, um, it's well documented. Your brother drafted in the same draft as you. Yes. By the Rays. Yes. So you, on two days apart? Or yeah, three? Two days, yeah. We had a day in between. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, the Major League Baseball draft is 40 rounds, which is preposterous. Um, but so you guys were taking one day apart. Yeah. Same team. What were those two days like for your family? So I watched the draft on TV on, it was on a Thursday. And because we, we had a pretty good feeling ahead of time he was going to be a first round pick. And so I watched him get picked. My dad called me when the 11th was on TV and said, hey, you know, just get ready. Make sure you're watching by TV. Um, but they thought originally the Braves were going to take him at five. And then that fell through. They picked somebody else. And then um, at 11, he's like, hey, look at the TV. 12 came on, then 13. They're like, hey, first round selection, Josh Lowe. I'm like, all right, cool. And um, then one of our other pitchers at Mississippi State got picked on the same day, a couple picks later, Dakota Hudson, who's in the rotation for St. Louis now. And... Um, you know, we had a super regional series to get ready for, so it was kind of like really weird combo of all the draft eligible guys wanting to hear their name called on day two because we had we I mean we had really good players on that Mississippi State team, and then I think only three guys got picked on day two, and it was kind of like uh, yeah, you know what do we do? And then Arizona came in town. In front of like like heat warnings at the field, like it was like real feels like 105, and they beat us one nothing in a super regional at home. Like it was all kinds of emotion, and you didn't really want to pay attention to the draft, but at the same time though, like you could not think could about not the draft. And then um, I was walking back into the house, coming back from breakfast Saturday morning, and all of a sudden my my agent calls me and he's like, "Hey, you know what are you up to?" Like because I thought the Braves were gonna pick me. Um, later and he was asking like you know would you take this and whatever and I, I didn't have any real negotiations so if it was a plane ticket and a Snickers bar like I was going mm-hmm. so then uh, Ricky Drexler I see a missed call from him as I'm hanging up with my agent and then like as I'm hanging up he's like oh wait a second the Rays just picked you I'm like alright all right, cool like, <laughs> I guess we're gonna do this thing and then uh, and then yeah, we had like I don't even know. There we had like eleven guys total get picked or signed. I don't know. It was a lot of lot of players from Mississippi State, and then um, we lost. We got walked off on at home, like in college, to finish like my final collegiate game. We get walked off on at home because of the visitor and home team flip flops, and it was just like you want to jump over the moon because you just got drafted and you're about to play professional baseball, but also, like, your amateur career's over and, like, that fan base is just out of control. Like, the whole Mississippi State family is just... I mean, everything you read about it doesn't really, like, describe it because it's, it's not like anything else. And LSU can kick rocks. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so when he got picked and then I kind of waited around and then I got picked, it was like, you know, we kind of expected him to go and then... I was fortunate enough to get picked by the Rays, and we said, all right, let's just roll with it and see where it goes. So, you know, it was, I, 
didn't really think about it a whole lot at the time, but now that it's working out the way it's working out, I mean, I wouldn't want it any other way. I guess I've never really paid attention to how that works actually from a day-to-day basis. How long after you were drafted until you reported somewhere? Uh, we got walked off on Saturday. I packed up Sunday, went to Atlanta Monday, Orlando Tuesday, Hudson Valley Wednesday. Wow. Yes. So it did, it, that college career ended it, like that? It ended and I was signing my professional contract on Tuesday and showing up in New York on Wednesday. Hmm. Is that weird because college baseball, it's it's not the military, but it's okay, you have study halls and you have team meals and you have this, that, and the other, and then all of a sudden you're just like, hey, you're an adult, you're a professional baseball player, figure out your life. Yeah, kind of. But at the same time, though, like this organization does a pretty good job of keeping a pretty tight leash on new players. Mm-hmm. So when I first showed up to Hudson Valley, I, I mean, I only had gray tennis shoes. I had gray Adidas tennis shoes from Mississippi State, and I still had the Mississippi State logos on them. And at that point, there was pretty strict rules about like 60% black on your spikes, black shoelaces. And I walked out the first day with gray spikes on, and my manager, Tim Parenton, who's coaching at UNF now, was a Mississippi State guy, and he like tapped me on the shoulder, and he's like, hey, go back inside, you need black shoes. Like, you can't come out here without black shoes on. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. So I spray painted, <laughs> I spray painted my last really? pair of turfs from Mississippi State, and, and like, you know, it's just so many new rules. Like, obviously, you got all the time in the morning to kind of do what you want, which you need it as soon as you first get into pro ball. Like, you need to figure out how to sleep in and eat right and do what you got to do before you go to the field. But in short season, there was a lot of time, too, where I was driving a long way to go pick up players and take them to the field. So, yeah, it is kind of weird getting tossed into pro ball, coming off, like, a stricter, like, regime in college. But... At the same time, though, I, I have my hands pretty full in short season, so it was it was nice to not give, you know, have too much freedom to where I could get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And in Wappingers Falls, New York, there's a lot of ways to get in trouble. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I didn't even have time. I was sharing a bunk bed. Joe, Joe Sarah, Pika, and I were sharing a bunk bed. Bottom or top? We would switch every home stand. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and that's true our, teammates right there. Our AC unit was too loud, so we couldn't sleep with it on at night. Oh. And I snore. I felt so bad for Joe the whole time. <laughs> the whole time, I felt so bad for Joe because this guy's this guy's excited too. Like, he's an awesome dude. Senior sign, like, older guy, been around. He's a good pitcher. Welcome to Pro Ball. Here's a bunk bed, and your roommate is 250 pounds, and he snores. <laughs> Go get him. Go get him. <laughs> Taking naps at the ballpark. <laughs> did uh, Did you ever have bunk beds growing up? No, never. So that was the first time bunk bunk bed. In that there. was the first time I'd ever like really had to sleep on a bunk bed for an extended period. Of time. It's weird being that close to the ceiling. Like you wake up or roll over, and it's prepared you regard, for regardless of if it's a nine foot ceiling or like eighteen. Either way, it's weird. Yes, prepared and, you for a sleeper bus. Yes, and if you're on the top bunk, you got the roof, and if you're on the bottom bunk, you got the top bunk. But either way, there's something on top of you at all times. Yeah, that was weird. It's bizarre. Nice family though. Talk about that a little bit. I mean, what some of our listeners might not know is at the lower levels, you're living with a host family. Yeah. And so you're just living in someone's house. They might have kids. They might be an older couple. It might just be one old person on their own. Yeah. Um, 
and you know, and like you said, you spend a lot of time driving around. Yeah. Because some of your teammates don't have cars, right? Or the host family can't get them to the field. So, okay, who are the eight guys on the team who do have cars who can get them around? Yeah, uh, that's. I mean, that's that was the only downside, definitely, to short season in Hudson Valley was that the driving situation was just. I mean, if I drove straight from where I was staying at from the house to the field it was over a toll bridge and I was at the field in 12 minutes and when I had to go pick up guys I had to take Joe we had to go get two guys from a house we had to go get another pitcher from a third house so well from a second stop it took an hour and 10 to get to the field Mm. every day and like I was at the point where I was telling Ryan Pinnell who's actually in town who's our like head honcho with the video coordinators now he was our video guy in Hudson Valley he's like dude Pinnell like I'll give you 20 bucks take these guys home please I I cannot spend another hour in the car like I was looking at an hour and a half to two hours a day in the car and um while you're still getting used to a new lifestyle right while I'm still getting used to black spray painted spikes (laughs) black spray painted turfs and then black spray painted spikes for the first couple weeks until my stuff came in Jeez. <laughs> Welcome to Pro Bowl. Um, it's a glorious life. It is. It's worth it at the end, though. But, um, yeah, so, I I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't trade it. I enjoyed Hudson Valley. They they draw well. Um, John Haraz does a good job with the clubhouse guys. TP was doing great. And I know the guys loved Albie when Albie was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a legend here, too. So, I mean, how can you not like that guy? But, uh, you know, being able to kind of have some freedom at first is a little weird, but it definitely helps you grow as a player by going through playing in the Penn League. Like, Penn League has good cities all around. Like, I really enjoyed Vermont. Vermont was sweet because, you know, you get up there in the middle of the summer, it's 65 degrees, and the college is there and the lake's there, and you can go downtown after the game. And, you know, it's, it's the first time where you really, like, oh, well, you know, I don't have a coach checking my room to make sure I'm asleep at 1130 for this seven o'clock game tomorrow because we're in college now they tell you to be responsible but you're an adult so you can do what you want but that was the first time when I was really like you know what like I can enjoy the cities in the league responsibly and have a good time and play good baseball Mm -hmm. so the Penn League was definitely a great step for me shifting gears a little bit uh, big golf guy. Love golf. How often do you play a week? Mm, when I don't have blisters on my hands, I play <laughs> twice a week. And what's your handicap? Uh, it's probably around a seven, maybe a six. All right, follow up to that. What is a handicap? A handicap. <laughs> like, I, 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 I have no concept. I know the lower the better, but they don't I don't have really, those in soccer. I really okay. don't okay. know what a handicap is. So if, if I'm a scratch golfer, which means my handicap is zero, that's good. That means, I know that. that means I'm good. You're yeah. good. And your handicap is seven. Okay? So there's seven strokes difference between you and me. We pick the four hardest holes on one nine and three hardest holes on another nine, and I give you a stroke for all those holes. They play 18 holes, Matt. Every time? Yeah. <laughs> try to. <laughs> we try to, yeah. Yeah. So so I will get so because you're a seven handicap to even the playing field, I would give you seven shots. So if I go out and shoot 72 and you shoot 77, like, you win because it's less than a seven-shot differential. 
That was the best anyone's ever explained handicap. Simple. I knew that there was minute. some sort of like stroke yeah. difference there, but I never actually understood it. So yes. revenue sharing. Really well done, basically. So uh, yeah. so really, like when you go out to play, for me, shooting three to five over my handicap is usually my target. If I shoot my handicap, so if I go out to the Duke right down the road and I shoot a, if I'm a seven and I shoot a 79, I killed it that day. <laughs> But if I shoot a, you know, 83, 84, that's like right where I need to be. Especially on that golf course, hard yeah. golf course. Yeah. But it's a nice golf course. Nicest course you played? Oof. I played Copperhead at Innisbrook. That was awesome. Um, we got on, my buddy got us on the private side of Chateau Alon in Atlanta. Um, Charles Barkley just put a video up right there and it's fantastic. Black Masters, yes. I think is what they called it. Yeah. And it's hilarious. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the same golf course. That golf course is actually sneaky, really nice. A um, couple country clubs in Orlando that are not big name. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I would like to get out to Isleworth at some point this offseason. Um, maybe Bay Hill. But my buddy never, actually, my buddy that's coming in town tonight with Rochester Rooker never got a bachelor's trip, and we were going to find somewhere to go golf. So maybe this off season we can convince his wife to let us take a boys <laughs> and go play Pinehurst. We're going to Pinehurst this off season. Nice. Yeah. So right so down the road from here. Now, do correct. you take your clubs on the road with you? No, I did at times. Like if we have an off day on the road and we're not flying, then yes, I'll take my clubs if we're on the bus. But for the most part, I don't really feel like paying to check another bag. Especially if they're getting, they have the chance of getting broken. Because if my golf club's broke, somebody's getting their nose yeah. broken. Or not getting there at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Or somebody, somebody has a complaint email in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, see, this is now. Granted, you're you're a professional athlete. You're one of the top hitters, top 0001 percent of hitters in the entire world. Right. Um, but it's funny because growing up, you all, all you ever hear about is like how kids can't play golf during baseball season. No, they can't play tennis. That's but yet here you are, like just playing golf two times a week, and like it's not that big of a deal. No, it's a different swing. I mean, it's the same. It's a similar swing. Like Dan and I talk about sequence as far as like using your hips before your hands. Hmm. That's how you hit a golf ball. And if you use your hip before your hands the right way with a moving ball, like you're in business. So I think. Playing golf, definitely, like, coming out of a slow stretch where I'm at right now, I'm so excited to go to the golf course tomorrow because I think it's going to help how I'm hitting a baseball. Because you can't swing 100% and hit a golf ball. You just can't. Like, you might, if you swing as hard as you can, you might hit one in the middle of the club face and go as far as you want it to, but odds are you're going to miss pretty bad, like, eight out of ten times. Same thing with facing a guy throwing hard or whatever like if you swing as hard as you can like you're in trouble so if you take something off and just control it and do what you're supposed to do then the results usually fare a little better than swinging out of control is it a mental break for you as well 100 percent. and i i enjoy getting up and having something to do in the mornings and you know especially now when it's not like dog days of summer yet and it's not 100 degrees it's you know it's a comfortable 60 65 ish at eight o'clock in the morning got time to come back i can take a nap or i can drink a cup of coffee and then still have time to get lunch and then come to the field and i'm ready to go so i i'm a big advocate of going to the golf course before games of the teammates you play with are you the best 
Um, I'm sure Oliver, they're listening. So. Oliver, Drake, <laughs> Oliver Drake is sneaky, a really good golfer. Sneaky, really good. Yeah, like, like you wouldn't expect him to like, be. Like no, he's just because he, he's just Oliver. Like you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's from Pot Worcester, wherever he's from. Like, <laughs> he, he's like, yeah, I like golf. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> You're going this and undistinguished the, guy on the golf. And then all of a sudden, he stands out there and he hits a couple. I'm like, all right, you know, he's hitting it all right. Playing these really old golf clubs, and the ball just kind of fades down the middle and then all of a sudden we're like 15 holes in and he's still fading the ball down the middle <laughs> god almighty like, you're pretty good at this Shufo and I go back and forth um, I like to play with Coates a lot too uh, Kittredge will come out every now and then like Arroyo likes golf but he sucks <laughs> he sucks <laughs> but uh, no if if Burling ever hooks it up and gets us a tee time usually usually we don't have trouble finding four to go out there I mean it's and we have a good time and uh, I mean the staff over at Duke does a good job they'll let us go out and play another 18 as soon as we're done if we want to but you know usually my fingers are falling apart after 27 so I 18 is just out of control <laughs> so is there anyone we'll use Arroyo as the example like if he's like yo Nate I want to play golf you're like Oh, sorry, we're already the no, person. no, no, no. I got, I got blisters. No. <laughs> Christian, Christian's good to golf with no matter what because he's got seven balls in his pocket at all times. And as one is screaming knee high into the woods, he's already got another one down Ready taking a second swing. So that's the thing about golf. If you are bad at golf, you can live with that. But if it's you the people play who fast. like, if you who, play fast, yeah, it's the people who like, oh, let me get a ball out of the cart, or they're searching for like an hour in the woods to find the one ball. It's like, and this is going ready golf. Who loses a lot of balls? Yes. yes. Oh yeah, it gets expensive too. A hundred percent. But Christian likes to buy nice things and <laughs> he spends and then spends, sends them into the woods. Yeah, he sends. He, I mean, <laughs> Duke University, the woods around the golf course is very happy for his supply of pro yeah, points. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, he's 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 fun to play with because a he's going to talk and say something stupid at some point and it's hilarious. And b it. It's not an issue when he's playing bad golf because he will play in a hurry. And if it's like to the point where it's like really causing an issue, he'll just pick the ball up and go to the next hole. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I enjoy playing. I enjoy golfing with everybody on the team and especially guys who don't talk their game up and say they're way better than they are and all of a sudden they suck. <laughs> and guys who aren't like, oh, I suck, and all of a sudden they're really good. Because if, if we're playing for money and somebody sandbags me like that, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Is there anything else you're like really competitive about, like video games? I suck at video games. I'm so bad. All of them? Everyone. You name it, I'm bad at it. Except for, I can hold my own in Mario Kart uh, and Super Smash, I'm okay. Yeah. But. Halo? Terrible. 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 We had a spend the night party with a small group that I was in in like seventh grade. And it was uh-huh. the first time that I stayed up all the way through the night yeah. playing Halo, playing Halo yeah. with these guys from the church that I was at. And there was like nine of us in one room with like seven TVs. And we stayed up all night. And I was easily the worst Halo player in the history of Halo. And those guys were good. Like, don't get me wrong, they were good. But at that point, I was like, you know what? I have no future in video games. Like, I just, I'm not enjoying this at all. That system linked up, or was that, it was before Xbox Live? Or uh, that was, was on Xbox. Xbox. That was on okay. Xbox. <laughs> not Xbox. Yeah. Uh, it may have been 360, like right when that came out. Okay. But I didn't have a, I didn't have a system or my own controller at that point. 
We did have an Xbox at one point. I don't know where it is. Was that weird, like, losing to, you know, these kids that are in your group? Because you're probably a really good athlete. Like, obviously, baseball. Uh, like, you're probably good at a lot of the sports you tried, and then it's like, you're losing to a bunch terrible. of terrible. I mean, sniped over here. In my head, in my head, I was definitely like, I need to smoke these guys. Like, what are we doing, fingers? Like, <laughs> press the button on time. But out loud, I'm like, oh, yeah, good job, guys. You guys are so much better at this than me. <laughs> it was just a, playing the part, man. I was just pretending to be nice when you're like, I was really upset about all of it. <laughs> Yeah. Which was probably the exact uh, goal of that event was to, you know, yeah, to be yeah. really upset that you were losing Halo. Yeah, yes. Halo, Halo. No, I, no, Halo is fun though. I enjoy playing with people who aren't very good because then we can, we pull out the. Uh, What's your Halo handicap? Energy swords. What were they? Energy swords. Yeah. Yeah. And we play zombies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the certain. Yeah. Yeah, zombies. I was a big Halo guy, Matt. I tell. <laughs> no one can see you, but you're I'm making infection. Infection, that's it. I'm that a big three-day weekend guy and big uh, Halo guy. See, I can't do the the two joysticks like where one goes up and down and the other goes left to right. Um, I can't do that. Toast. I, I, I can play Legacy three. Inverted. Is what you I, I can't do that. Legacy yeah. Inverted. That's not English. <laughs> that's that's, that's your no keypad, clue. With that, your keypad layout, so that when you look, when you push up, it looks down. And when you pull back, it looks up. You like video games? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm a, I'm a video guy. A lot. <laughs> well, that seems like a good place to break. That's right. Uh, Legacy inverted. BP is going to get going in a little bit. So, uh, Nate or Nathaniel either works. Or uh, David. Not, no, not David. Oh, not David. Not David. Not David. Or Daniel. No. Yeah. Daniel. Please not too. Daniel. Uh, we appreciate it, man. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. Good to talk some golf. If you ever need a fourth, uh, love to be invited. Just throw that out there. Sure. No, no, not, not, I, I'll never wait. I don't want, none of, either one of us can watch that. Um, but thanks a lot, man. Good luck the rest of the way and uh, appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So that was Nate Lowe. Uh, I think he actually thought I was serious when I told him I would, if he was looking for a fourth to play golf with. And like you could tell he, he was- He made multiple comments. He was like, aw- he awkwardly said <laughs> yes, but was like, uh, like I can't say no, we're on air. Um, yeah, I don't think that's, to me that's, that's, that would just be too much. He might so. give you a ride to the ballpark though. Maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but as, as long, long as, as it's under an hour. As long as I'm within an hour of the stadium. <laughs> So that was Nate Lowe. Uh, again, catch him. Really good dude. Really good hitter, too. Um, so n- n- another segment. Where are they now? This one's an interesting one. Rocco Baldelli. Not just interesting in the sense of what his story is, yeah. but his brother is here. is here in Durham playing for Boston College, who, as the 12 seed, has already clinched their spot in one of the semifinals. A mm-hmm. uh, little bit of a Cinderella story. Uh, Dante Baldelli. Uh, have you watched him play closely? You, there's definitely similarities between like their body movements, even like yeah. the way they run. His brother wears number twenty six, which is cool. Uh, g- genetics are um, are just fascinating to me. Okay, with, with how again they're they're brothers, but you can be like, yeah, they run the same. Yeah. But so Rocco Baldelli, uh, played with aside from a few rehab stints, actually didn't play all that much for the Bulls. Came up at the tail end of the two thousand two season, but very important member of that two thousand two season. That was the Bulls' first. Governor's Cup championship. Yeah, he, uh, Rocco, fantastic person as well. Um, I haven't gotten to speak with his brother, 
But how strong of a name is Dante Baldelli? Yeah. Whew. Yeah, Rocco and Dante. Rocco and Dante <laughs> rolling into the club. That's, that's serious stuff. <laughs> uh, I mean, that just taking Rhode Island by storm yes. back in the day, you would imagine. You know, Rocco actually, um, he verbaled to Wake Forest. Um, he was going to go play for the Deeks. Uh, so I started following Rocco at an early age, I guess would be the right term for that. Um, and I always gave him, uh, gave him as much junk as I could for uh, for taking that few million dollars in the first round and not going to Wake. Yeah, what, a, what a terrible decision that worked was. Worked out pretty well for him. Yeah. Uh, so Rocco had a, a good career again in the major leagues with the Rays, uh, bounced around for a few teams after that, uh, and now he's the, the manager of the Minnesota Twins, yeah. who are one of the best teams in baseball right now. Uh, and what's really cool is his bullpen coach is Bill Evers. Bill Evers was the manager of that Durham Bulls team that won the 2002 Governor's Cup, uh, was the first manager in Bulls AAA history, International League Hall of Famer, all-around fantastic human being. Yep. So when Rocco got the job this past offseason as the Twins' new manager, uh, the Rays gave him special permission to take Bill Evers from the Tampa Bay Rays minor league coaching staff. Uh, Bill was the, the minor league field coordinator for the Rays for many, many years. And there's actually rules against taking staff from the team you just left. The Rays granted permission to take Bill Evers. Uh, and so far, it's working out pretty well for the Twins, for Baldelli, and for Bill Evers. So cool update on Rocco Baldelli. And again, with his brother here, very, very logical tie-in. Sometimes the storylines just write themselves, huh, Scott? Absolutely. Just give you a natural storyline to talk about on uh, episode four of a podcast. Absolutely. Uh, and then keeping with the baseball talk, the Durham Bulls, again, in the biggest shocker of 2018. No, 2019. 2019. <laughs> That's no good. Uh, I was In my mind, I was thinking we'll edit that out, but I don't like editing. It's not authentic. I don't think we bought the editing equipment, right? <laughs> that was... Copy, paste, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a premier option. We got the basic. So as of this recording, the Durham Bulls, best record in the International League at 27-17, and 17, which is crazy because the team started six or excuse me, four and nine, mm. and then six and ten. So since that four and nine start, the team is twenty three and eight. That's quick math. That's no, I have it written down. Oh. A little outline. <laughs> uh, now that's I mean that's crazy. Baseball is not you know college it's basketball twenty three and eight. That's a okay. That's a good team. You don't go twenty three and eight in baseball. That's a really hard thing to do. We are spoiled, spoiled, rotten when it comes to that. But it's fun. It's fun. It's. It's got to be fun as a fan, right, knowing that you're going to come watch a first-place team pretty much every game you come to for the last 15 years. So to put it in perspective, the Bulls have won two straight Governor's Cup titles, two straight division titles, nine of the last 12 division titles. That's absurd. And they've made the playoffs in 14 of 21 seasons in the International League. That, that's a, a true dynasty. That's a dynasty. And dynasties don't exist in minor league baseball. <laughs> Coaching staffs turn over. Players turn over. Almost every day players turn over, especially at the AAA level. Dynasties don't exist in minor league baseball. And it, it's just it's, it's uncommon. It's one of the things that makes the Bulls the Bulls. Mm -hmm. And as you were saying, a cool place to work, to come see a game. Because it's AAA baseball is the highest level of minor league baseball you'll get to begin with. But then if you come to a Bulls game, you're probably coming to see the best team, as you said, over the last 
two decades, <laughs> chances are you were watching a first place team, which is just, it's wild. It's unbelievable. We, um, we take that for granted. Um, but it's, 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 good, it's good to come out, watch good baseball, and know that we're going to have an opportunity just about every single year to compete in September. And it's interesting that you talk, uh, we had Mitch on last episode, yes, um, and talking about how they enjoy um, having meaningful games to prepare their future big leaguers with. And, and yes, it's, it's still minor league baseball, uh, but playoff baseball is a different breed, right? And hopefully that helps prepare them um, for playoff runs later on in their careers in the big leagues. And that was cool talking to Brady Williams back in episode one, saying that, yeah, in the minor leagues, you can play in front of 10,000 people, but it's because it's a Saturday in June, the weather's perfect and there's fireworks. And what's great about us, our fans are engaged. Our fans mm-hmm. want to see the Bulls win, but it's not it's, – it's out of pride for the city, pride for the team, just to see their hometown team win. When the playoffs come around, we don't draw 10,000. No minor league team will sell out a, a playoff right. game just from a, a couple of different factors. But the fans that are here are loud. They're into they're it. In it. And, and we might have 5,000 people here, but it's amazing how loud the stadium gets in those playoff games. And, and so hopefully the Bulls are again on their way to, to another playoff run. Again, 10 games over 500 right now, best record in the International League. Um, and after a slow start, the, the team has just absolutely been killing it. And fuego. And fuego, well said. Uh, so speaking of, again, the Bulls, and, and they'll be coming home to Durham again next Tuesday for the start of a 10-game nine-day homestand. We have a day-night doubleheader on Saturday, June 1st. Uh, A couple of the promotions we have coming up. A couple of promotions we have coming up there. Teacher Appreciation Night, Military Appreciation Night, Brunch with the Bulls, State Fair Night, Pride Night, Affordable Eats, two fireworks shows, just to name a few. (laughs) I mean, it's this, and you and I will say this quite a bit on social media or wherever. If you can't find something that you like at one of our upcoming games, you probably don't like things. Correct. You don't like leaving your house. You don't like fun. You don't like to be happy. You're a tunnel rat. You're, yeah. I mean, it's, there's just so much we have going on at the DBAP. Highly encourage you to get on out here, check out at minimum one of the games we have going on because, again, chances are there's two, three, or four things on that promo schedule that are going to pique your interest. So that's going to do it for this episode of Hit Bull Win Podcast. Uh, if you like us, give us a little rating. Five stars. If anything lower, do not rate us. Leave a little comment. Hopefully our boss rates this one highly. Did we come in at a, an appropriate total time on this one? I'm trying, yeah. We, he, our boss gave us a nice email of, of bullet points after episode three. More negative than yeah. positive. He needs to go with the compliment sandwich next time. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, we can both we can hope for that, but we know our boss. That's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> Let's extend this segment as long as possible <laughs> just to drive him. What we're going to do, we're going to let the closing music just run for like 18 minutes. Hold it out. Just, and just, just so the file size is way bigger. Um, but so, again, if you, like, if you like the show, subscribe, rate, review, but also refer. If you think this, this is something that a friend of yours will like, that they might just, you know, they might not know it, it's, it's around. Um, if you think there's someone in baseball who would enjoy this or just someone who likes 45-ish minute podcasts, Ish. no more. No, no more. No more than, no more than 45 minutes. An hour and a half. <laughs> um, you know, just, just let them know about Hit Bull Win Podcast. 
uh, that's the way we, we definitely want to grow this and, and reach as many baseball fans as we can, as many triangle residents as we can, and, and just folks who enjoy some, some banter about all that goes into a baseball team, facility, and, and everything else in between. So again, thanks for listening to Hit Bull Win Podcast, the official podcast of the Durham Bulls and a production of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Until next time, go Bulls. <laughs>